0: Hello, and welcome to episode 19.
1: Oh my goodness, oh, 19 like
0: already. Wow. I know, almost at 20. Yeah, we're getting close. Hey, your ping's at 20. Jason's running a speed test, and his ping's at 20, so that's wow. pretty cool. that's really weird. <laughs> anyway, this what is- What are the odds? What, so like a million to one. Anyway, this <laughs> is Grow Like a Pro. I am Adam Bankers. This is Jason Flagle. Hello, world. <laughs> and we are excited to present our one of our first West Coast full interviews yep. with- The Skip Skip (laughs) Bagarello Well done, sir
1: Yeah, why don't you give a little intro on on our good boy Skip Oh yeah, for sure Skip is literally a pioneer of Silicon Valley Um, If you talked with him, he probably would not admit to that (laughs) Um, When you
0: talked to him, you would think that he's, you know, not done um, these incredible things He's such a humble, friendly, welcoming guy And he's, I mean, he's seen a ton of stuff It's amazing
1: Yeah, I mean, he actually worked on one of the projects that I believe led to the creation of Microsoft Excel, which is basically (laughs) like spreadsheet technology. Um, He was on part of the early team of that. So, I mean, literally, we would not be, we would not have the world, we would not have the world, the culture that we have today, yeah, if it were not uh, part, if it were not for part of uh, Skip's work that he's done. So crazy to think about. Um, And then, you know, he's uh, obviously involved in working with startups uh, with his fund uh, called one flourish really amazing startup and um, Like startup and accelerator fund basically so working with uh, new startups to help them have a cultural impact as well as you know making money and doing their business um, aspect of what they're trying to do is really cool Uh, and then he is also the founder of uh, connect Silicon Valley which is like a faith-based community uh, event. It's actually one of the largest events in Mountain View of its type. So there's over like 900 people that go to these events. I mean, he's got like, uh, what is it, the upcoming event in April, Adam, is like with Patrick Lencioni, uh, who's a New York Times bestseller. Uh, So many amazing speakers he's had in his past. Like, I think, uh, is it uh, Chihao Chen? Um, who was with Kleiner Perkins, an early investor in Spotify, uh, is a good friend of Skip. So like Skip literally, I mean, you'll hear him. He's a very humble guy oh, yeah. in the episode, uh, but he's done some incredible things. His experience, his knowledge, his wisdom is just um, is really in- incomparable in terms of meeting other people. He's he's really, a really amazing guy. And, yeah, and as Jason
0: mentioned, that Connect Silicon Valley, the annual breakfast, is taking place on April 5th in Santa Clara, California. So if you're in the area or you're able to get there, I would highly recommend doing it because there's probably going to be some pretty cool people there as well yeah, as Skip. Absolutely. And he, I know he mentions this in the episode, but make sure to get your tickets because it's probably going to sell out because, yeah, it's, a, once again, one of the biggest events yep. of that kind in, in Silicon Valley. So once and again, get
1: your uh, tickets at connect.sv. I believe is the URL. Yeah,
0: yep, so. that is it. Yeah, you can check out all the information there. But once again, if you have any questions about that or if you have any questions for us, if you want to be a part of the show, want to send us topics, anything like that, send it to hello at growlikeaproshow.com. Once again, that is hello at growlikeaproshow.com. And I guess without further ado, let's pass it over to
1: Skip Vaccarello. Hey, guys, what is up? It is Jason Adam here from the Grow Like a Pro Show. And I'm so excited because we have got the Skip Vaccarello, hey. amazing guest on the show today. Skip's got such an amazing experience in uh, you know leading tech companies. Uh, he's been in venture capital, angel investing for a, 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 quite a while. I'm so excited for him to share his story, but Skip, thank you so much for being on the show. Again, Adam and I are so glad to have you, and we're so excited to uh, know share some awesome insights for our listeners but uh, if you don't mind I'm gonna go ahead and jump into sure. the first question well, thank
2: you very much for having me oh it's yeah. our pleasure. Uh,
1: absolutely our p- pleasure and honor um, but yeah skip sh- uh, share with us a little bit about the you know your story your background uh, we're obviously in uh, Mountain View Palo Alto area of the California beautiful. S- the Silicon Valley so <laughs> uh, but yeah share with us a little bit about your story and background
2: yes yeah, so, so we're in the midst of Silicon Valley uh, but I grew up in the in the Boston area Oh, okay. and, and and I'll tell you a little bit about how I got here. But so I went to I went to to college in the late '60s and early '70s, mm-hmm. and as you may remember from history, <laughs> i lived <laughs> it. But uh, it was the country was very <laughs> divided at that time, and I would say even more divided than it is than it is today. Really, um, and there was what I'd say the difference is it was more violent. There were and like in 1968, there were racial riots, feminism was just, uh, just growing, the war in Vietnam was raging and so on. So anyway, I went to college during that, that mm-hmm. time. In Boston, did you go to college? In, yeah, I went to Harvard. Yeah. Oh, very so nice. I went to, I went to, that's where I went to undergraduate school and, went and got my MBA from Boston University. So that kind of affected yeah. my background to some extent in that I always kind of felt drawn to business. But there was a study done in my Harvard class, and most of us, it used to be that something like 95% went on to graduate school immediately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but in my class, it was less than 50%. So people went off to do strange things, drive yeah. a taxi, you know, start a farm. Um, I started the, uh, with a couple of friends a waterbed business that was. Uh, in really? fact, we bought our waterbeds from Mountain View, California. Oh, and really? It was more of a. It was really a fun thing. It wasn't a serious yeah. business at all. <laughs> um, but anyway, that's 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 what we did. But but I got involved. Most of us wanted to do things that we felt were socially worthwhile. Yeah. And so I got involved. I was recruited to in a nonprofit organization mm-hmm. helping mentally handicapped people get wow. skills and get a job. Mm-hmm. So I did that for about seven seven years running these these little organizations, one of which I started. So that was sort of, sort of the beginning wow, of my amazing. entrepreneurship. I was recruited to start it. We raised some money from the local city. Um, but in the midst of that, I had gotten my MBA uh, evenings and really felt that I wanted to do something different. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was one of the people that I got to know was someone who had started a software company. If you envision this, this was 1978. And personal computers were just coming in yeah and and this company had a, a chess program that was the most popular mm-hmm. chess program but more importantly <laughs> but more importantly they had something that was uh which which is second nature today but they had the very first spreadsheet called VisiCalc oh. yeah. yeah and they recruited me to be the uh, to, to join the company so the two founders and I and I was just excited about it. I mean today it's all second nature with a with mm-hmm. the spreadsheet but at that point, it was revolutionary. This was the first Crazy. application that made personal computers worthwhile. Wow. And so I joined them. We came out here to, to Silicon Valley, which is where more, most of the action yeah. was. And a fun time to be in the business. I mean, we'd travel around the country going to trade shows. I'd run into someone mm-hmm. and ask what they do, and they might like to bowl. And i said, you want to see a quick way to do a, a bowling average or a wow. salespeople, <laughs> a quick way to do awesome. a sales forecast, whatever. So it was an exciting time to be in the business. So I was, that was in 1979, I came out. And uh, you know, stayed with, with Visicorp, and then they bought a company that I went over to be CEO of, and that was a oh, company that did networking and communication software. Uh, I did that. We eventually uh, sold that company, and then I uh, then I started a company with a with a couple of other co-founders that went one of the f- we did multimedia training. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I did multimedia training. It morphed into one of the first internet-based applications oh, wow. uh, to, train, to train people. That company was called the Saratoga Group. Mm-hmm. Uh, whole story behind that, uh, but eventually sold that company, did a little bit of time as an investment banker, uh, and also coached um, some company CEOs. And one of those coaching jobs led into one of the people asking me to join as a CEO. He wanted mm-hmm. to take a step back. The company was called Applied Weather Technology of a fascinating company. They had software that would sit on board a vessel, a big commercial vessel like a container ship or a cargo ship, and help route that around around the world, trying to find the wow. safest, most fuel-efficient route. Mm-hmm. Uh, the interesting thing is I knew nothing about meteorology and I knew <laughs> nothing about shipping, but they wanted a business guy, so yeah, I really enjoyed yeah. it. So I stayed there for, for four years. Then I left uh, to, uh, to write my book, uh, Finding God in Silicon Valley, and there's a That's whole awesome. story behind that and, and so anyway, so I, so I so I wrote the book and and more recently have, have started with three other individuals, a venture capital firm called mm-hmm. One Flourish, yeah, One yeah. Flourish uh, Capital. So that's what I'm doing now um, and involved in some other non-profit that's organizations awesome. as well, including one called Connect Silicon Valley. So that's, that's a awesome. brief synopsis. Well, I'm sure synopsis we'll get into- in uh, What an adventure, man. <laughs> I'm
1: sure, yeah. like. <laughs> mind blown. Well, uh, but the uh, I'm sure we'll get into One Flourish and Connect Silicon yeah. Valley more but I so how many um, how many partners are in One Flourish right now?
2: Uh, there are four of us. Okay. Yeah, one is in Kansas City and three of us are here in Silicon Valley. and um, my own experience, I've been this is the first venture capital company that I've been mm-hmm. involved in, but I've done a lot of angel investments over really? the yeah. years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm more of an operations sort of person, mm-hmm. you know, running businesses. Uh, One of the people is a very experienced venture capitalist. His name is David Lane. He Mm -hmm. had Diamond Head Ventures, and now he's part of this firm. And then we have an individual name of Andrew Miller, who is in Kansas City, mm-hmm. and the other is is Reed Rutherford, who is here in Silicon Valley. He's been a lifelong entrepreneur yeah, yeah. And, uh, and investor. So that's the four of us that have started. Yeah, I'm sure players. we'll
1: get uh, Reed on the show, actually. Mm-hmm. I know we talked about it a little yes. bit before. <laughs> yes, sure. <laughs> awesome. Um, yeah, so how did uh, Connect Silicon Valley kind of come about, and I, I know you... In my mind, it kind of came from that desire of writing your book, uh, you know, Finding God at Silicon Valley. But how did you kind of get that process started? And I guess started? what exactly is it, too, for yeah, those who may
0: Yeah, yeah
2: what is Connect Silicon Valley? So, you know, part of my story, so I mentioned the business part of it. The, the other part of it is um, during the 60s and 70s, I kind of walked away from faith. It just wasn't important to me, and I was more mm-hmm. about finding... Finding the the uh, the right wife, which I'm glad to say that I did, <laughs> and we've been married for over 40 years now. Oh, that's, that's awesome. amazing! Congratulations. Um, and also about career, but in the process, uh, you know, if somebody were to ask me, I always would have said that I was a follower of Christ. I was a Christian, but wasn't practicing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, through a variety of circumstances, I, I came to faith, and and I realized that um, that. It, was, it became the most important thing in my life, and therefore I wanted to run my business by biblical principles. And I wanted mm-hmm. other people to know who Christ is, and I felt the better way to do that, or a good way to do that, was through stories, hearing okay. personal testimonies. Uh, most people don't want to be preached at, but it's hard mm-hmm. to argue with someone's testimony, how God's yeah. worked in their lives. So I thought a, a good way to do that would be to have, uh, have events in which people would tell about their, their personal story of mm-hmm. faith and so we started something that was initially called uh, well it was it was initially it was initially called the Los Altos Community Prayer Breakfast i was asked to take it over we called it the Silicon Valley Prayer Breakfast yeah. and really try to make it as as very open to people no matter what your faith is but to hear stories of faith so we started so i got involved in 1995 um, and it had been running before that so this mm-hmm. year is our 25th anniversary and, oh, wow. and i have had a number of company CEOs venture capitalists a variety of people and they talk about the importance of their faith and it was really the book that came out of that mm-hmm. uh, and so because I had it you know accumulated I knew a lot oh, of these yeah. stories mm-hmm. and I put the book together called Finding God in Silicon Valley which is based on the the, the title yeah. of a friend of yours yeah. Jason Kelly Monroe Kulberg who mm-hmm. wrote Finding God at Harvard yeah. and I was given that book at one of my Harvard reunions and I said wow people don't think about Harvard and in God they certainly don't think about Silicon Valley as uh, in God but I knew yep, that there was right. some amazing people of faith so that was where i got the idea in the title and you know it's so it's it's been it was been fun to do it i love sitting down hearing people's stories yeah for sure well i I love that And we've changed the name to connect silicon valley from silicon valley prayer breakfast that's
1: awesome well i love that you lead with stories because adam and i talk about on the show all the time that you know you lead with um you lead with authenticity Mm -hmm. vulnerability and, uh, you know, you're you're being uh, you, you're you're being trustworthy. You're honest. Mm-hmm. Um, if you do that, people immediately like have a good connection with you. Mm-hmm. They want to learn more. They want to talk more. So I absolutely love that. Yeah, and yeah, you know,
0: it's it's the biggest thing, too, is because, as you mentioned before, people don't like really just being preached to or like yeah. telling just random stories or, you know, things that that can apply to anybody. They like the true examples of, of hardships and things that people have overcome. And that that's what is the true power is. is you know the stories the referrals the mm-hmm. people who are out there actually doing it and living the experiences instead of just spouting knowledge that they read in some book or something no that's so right it's uh <laughs> that's it's exactly it, yeah right. so it's stories it, are
2: very very powerful way yeah. to, to communicate and you know absolutely.
0: i am kind of curious too because you know it's it's really it is a great accomplishment to have published a book and everything and how did that whole process come in was it was it easy was it crazy what were some of the stumbles <laughs> what was uh? i would just like a, a little insight into Having a uh, book published out there, it
2: was it was harder than I thought it would be. Yeah, uh, even though I had you know I had accumulated a number of stories, but it, it, it took a lot of work, and I'm not a you know I didn't have any training, not mm-hmm. really a writer, but I you know I got some help along the way. Um, it was very interesting because when I first the first person I interviewed um, who has written several books. And he made the suggestion to me, which is, you may first want to do a blog before you do a book, mm-hmm, yeah. because I hadn't written a book, and which oh, was yeah. good advice. So I did yeah. my blog, Finding God in Silicon Valley, and then that, I turned that into, into a book. So I had an That's accumulation awesome. of stories, but still going through the process of picking out which ones, making sure it was edited, getting everything together, was a lot of work. It took me, when I decided to do it, it was about a year from, even though I had many of the stories done, to actually put it out and, and publish yeah. it. But it was a... It you know it was a, it was kind of a fun process and there's a chance I may do another one. So. Yeah, hey, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Once you get well, started, why not? Mm-hmm.
1: And I mean, a lot for the listeners who may not realize. Um, writing the book is like the first step. There's so much more that goes along with it, Skip. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so like a- after you get the book written, like if you're, if you're going with a the traditional publishing route, like what, what do you need to do after that? I mean, because in most cases, you're working with like a literary agent, you know, to do a proposal, work with like publishers, um, designers, you know, the whole thing. So what was that well, process like Well, one of the things like I
2: found is, and I think it's true even with traditional publishers, I went with someone who's called a hybrid publisher. So it's mm-hmm. sort of self-publishing, but really gives a lot of help to the um, to the author. But in any case, a lot of the marketing is up to you, the yeah. author. Uh, and so that, that's, you know, once the book is done, it's nice and it's printed and it's ready to go, but then you have to get out and, and yep, market that's it. That's right. <laughs> um, and so I, I did have a, a PR guide that helped me and I had a number of interviews and some really great interviews that really helped the book. And then it was, it was kind of a calling card, but it also helped. I, I, I do a fair amount of public speaking mm-hmm. and if you do, if you do some public speaking, it's often that people will want to purchase your book Yep. You yeah. know, at, at that. So, but it does take, it's effort, it's marketing, it's, it's. And even I believe with traditional publishers, they expect the author to do a fair amount of, of marketing yeah. in some in some fashion, which can be through podcasts or mm-hmm. blogs or various ways of, of getting right. out there. Absolutely.
1: Mm-hmm. So um, I'm, I'm kind of go, I want to go back to uh, Connect Silicon Valley. Sure. How many um, how many members do you have, or like how many people attend like that event?
2: Well, so this it's typically been uh, about eight to nine hundred, and it sells, wow. sells out every year. Uh, this year is our 25th anniversary. We're going to a slightly bigger venue. It'll be close to 1,000 people. Uh, and again, I fully expect it'll, it'll sell out. Our keynote speaker this year is Patrick Lencioni. Mm-hmm. Some of your listeners may know of, of Patrick. Yeah, he's a sure. best-selling business author. He's written The Advantage, amazing. The Ideal Team Player, Five Dysfunctions of a Team. So he's our keynote speaker. And the interesting, what, what Patrick talks about are, are, are principles of how you build teams and how you can have healthy yeah. effective companies and what's always interesting in the back of his books ET he, he talks about you know what has inspired him and who he, who he believes is the sort of the greatest inspiration and the greatest example of someone in putting together a team and organization is Jesus Christ yeah. so that's where his principles come from but his books aren't about that it's just mm-hmm. it's enduring principles that just make a lot of sense uh, for people to live by so he's our keynote speaker and then we also have Sue Warnke who is an amazing story Sue is uh, Sue is, the, um, is an executive at Salesforce, mm-hmm. uh, and she's going to talk about uh, her, her faith journey. Uh, so Sue Warnke is, is terrific. And then in addition to the main event, we have breakout sessions. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are going to be four breakout sessions. One of them is an interview with Patrick Lencioni. He's going to talk awesome. about how to build an effective organization. There's one on faith and science. Mm-hmm. Uh, that one is, is titled Is is science irrational without god so that'll be interesting there's one on faith wow. at work and there's a venture capital panel awesome. you know do, do venture capital and faith mix mm-hmm.
1: i love that yeah. and skip when and where does this uh, connect silicon valley
2: event take place Yeah, the Connect Silicon Valley Annual Breakfast is at the Santa Clara Convention Center, Mm -hmm. and it takes place on April 5th. Oh, okay. In the morning, early in the morning. So it begins (laughs) at 7 a.m. Oh,
1: cool. Well, I kind of like that because it's what, like a breakfast event? It's
2: a breakfast event, and it'll go through 1130. That's really cool. Yeah. Good way well, to start your day, I guess. Yes, for it sure. Is. I think it's what I've heard. It's it's the biggest event in South Valley that starts at that time in the morning. <laughs> Perfect. I liked it. It's a good thing that to have. So mm-hmm. great. Oh uh, <laughs> well,
0: yeah. Well, I mean, all this stuff is great, and I love to get back to it. But I kind of want to jump back a little bit mm-hmm. into the past and kind of sure. start at the beginning of your journey, in a sense. And you know, you talked about you know going to school and going to college mm-hmm. and starting some companies and doing all that stuff. And And something that we love to ask people is, did you have any real mentors growing up or anybody that really kind of helped guide you on a certain path or someone that you look back on and has has taught you invaluable lessons that have really helped you get where you are today?
2: Well, when I look back, I'd say there's no one individual, Mm -hmm. Uh, although it started with, I'd say it certainly started with my family. My mom and dad gave me the sort of, I think, values that that I lived with. But then, as I got engaged in business, I mentioned I was involved in this organization that helped mentally handicapped people, mm-hmm. and there was one member of the board. His name was Fred. That was just very, very helpful to me in kind of guiding me through that that whole process. And he and I would meet periodically. Uh, since coming out to Silicon Valley, uh, one of one of the things that I've that I've did is help form a small group of men. These are these are Silicon Valley business people, mm-hmm. some of whom are company CEOs and but people in significant positions. Yeah. And we started meeting, the first time we met I think was around 1992, something like that. Yeah. And we've been meeting every, every Friday morning since then. And it's been very, very helpful as we've, you know, we've gone through. All of us have gone through various journeys, mm-hmm. uh, and, and they're all they're all people of faith that you know we help. We pray for each other. We just help people, guide people, mm-hmm. guide each one of the members, and it's sort of like our own personal board of directors yeah. in some way. I like So that. it's been very, very helpful to me to have that group, group of men that get together every every Friday.
0: Yeah, I mean, it just seems like yeah, you're not you don't limit yourself to one particular group of people or something. You're always trying new things and getting out there and meeting (laughs) new people. And that's, yeah, that's a great way to learn. I mean, yeah, Yeah. yeah, it's, it's, it's always one thing if you just stay in the same place. But I mean, moving around and going from company to company, you must have learned so much. And, you know, it's, it's interesting too, because another thing we love to ask people because you know, when people hear your story and hear Harvard and businesses and CEO and all this stuff, they think of an easy road, but a lot of times we like to sometimes focus on some of the failures or missteps and how you kind of, mm-hmm. you know, got through them and learned to kind of push forward and get back on the road to success as it were. So, um, you know, once again, we like hearing people's stories. Obviously we don't want you to you know, get too emotional or anything like that, but if there's some kind of story that you have about a failure or something that didn't quite work out, we'd love to hear it. I know the listeners would as well.
2: Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, probably one of the more significant, um, Fail and there were probably many many that I could could talk about, but one of them along the way I mentioned earlier this company Visicorp that I was mm-hmm. involved with, uh, and Visicorp was <clears throat> was became you know probably the company in the early 1980s with this application the spreadsheet. But early on, Visico- Visicorp's model was that of being a publisher; it didn't really own the software. Mm-hmm. And it's, there were many lessons to learn, but as Visicorp uh, grew, there was growing tension between the people that wrote the software, which is called Software Arts, and Visicorp. And this is, by the way, there are case studies on this mm-hmm. at, at various business schools. And, you know, I was not directly involved in the relationship, but I was part of the executive team during all this. And um, along what what eventually happened is, is, is Visicorp went out of business. I mean, they eventually went into bankruptcy. Wow. Um, I had moved on to another company they had acquired mm-hmm. uh, but it was there were many lessons so it was you know this was at a point at which I was a significant shareholder and many many millions of dollars I had that were you know possible yeah. and that ended up be, becoming zero mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know it, but it is what it is and that's really the story of a lot of what happens in in Silicon Valley, there are companies that come and companies that go. Some are successful, many are not. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are a number of, of personal lessons, I guess, i would learned through that. Um, and there was one of them is arrogance and greed mm-hmm. that, I, that that you could see that was, that was happening. Another lesson, more from a business perspective, is Visicorp could have raised an almost an unlimited amount of money early and didn't. And mm-hmm. that was where sort of agreed keeping well maybe there's a better value a better value And when the company needed the money it didn't have any resources yeah. to do it so that was something i was um i was involved with uh, there are other stories of, of failures of uh as I, as I mentioned i'm part of this now this venture capital group and we'll probably mm-hmm. want to talk a little bit more about that like, yeah. and i've had made a number of of personal angel investments and some have worked out some have worked out well and some have not worked out mm-hmm and uh, some of them one of them one of them that didn't work out was somebody i thought i knew and i thought i i trusted uh very well and it turned out uh, not such a good situation so i lost i lost my my money in that and i just realized you have to you know be a little bit more cautious in some cases make sure Mm -hmm. i do do uh due diligence um i I do believe a lot in, in in trusting people along the way but you know it's always good to be prudent yeah. um, well kind
1: know. of going along with that skip um, one of the things I would love to know more about is what are some of the things that you look for when you're going to invest in a you know someone that you know uh, maybe one of their companies or their new idea are, are there like any things in your head that you're like check that's good check that's good you just <laughs> mentioned like due diligence right, sure so what, what does that process look like for you?
2: Yeah, and maybe I should take one step back and say, why did we start this venture yeah, capital yeah, firm yeah, to begin with? And we really we, we really did it because we, we believe, as we look around to a great extent, we see the culture is broken in, in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. Um, certainly politically it seems to be broken, but even a lot of the businesses, and a lot of the businesses here in Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are stories, and, and the press certainly covers a number of them, in, in which you know the there is there are sort of failures in the part of business. I mean, some of the more well-publicized them were was Uber had with its founding CEO was all sorts of issues and problems there. Of course. More recently, Facebook had some privacy issues, sure. uh, and there's a story of Theranos that you may have read about. Oh, yeah. There's the book mm-hmm. Bad Blood and mm-hmm. and millions of dollars. I mean, so, so there is a lot of sort of the culture is broken. <clears throat> Our belief when we started uh, One Flourish was that we had hoped that through business is one way you can affect the culture. I mean, mm-hmm. certainly through government education, there are other ways to affect it. And so we really started it with the idea of, of really trying to help entrepreneurs build the right culture in their yeah. business. And in doing so, maybe help change the culture at large as, you know, and how, how much we could. Mm-hmm. So that was, the, that was the, the, the basis of why we wanted to start, the comp- to start the company. I like that. And very interestingly, so I teach. I, I teach a course on on leadership and ethics, and there have been a number of studies mm-hmm. that, that have shown that that if people are running their business by by the right values, that mm-hmm. that business has a greater chance of success. So there's one. There was a Harvard Business School article that was written, and they they were citing a survey. But I think the company was KRW International, mm-hmm. and they asked employees um, about their their. Uh, the values of the founding of the executive team and the CEO, and these were these are values like responsibility, uh, compassion, forgiveness, integrity, mm-hmm. and interestingly, what that what that found is the companies in which the employees believe that those that their CEO emulated those values, they returned to five times. Greater return on assets, the company than 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 those that didn't report that wow, from that's employees. Crazy. So, and there was just much more evidence. I mean, if you read some of the business authors I mentioned, Lencioni, you know, one of my favorite, uh, another favorite business author is Jim Collins, talks about the importance of values mm-hmm. yeah. in business. So, anyway we you know so one of the, you asked back to the question you asked is what do you look for mm-hmm. the most important thing is we look for the ceo the entrepreneur is a person of character mm-hmm. that really wants to live out his or her values and have those values go th- go through the business mm-hmm. i mean there are other things clearly uh, and that is that is the, does this entrepreneur have a, a real sense of the market and a passion Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the passion, what we look for is a passion, not necessarily to make money, but to make a difference in the world. So they yeah. feel that what he or she is doing is going to make a difference in the world. So you want to, yeah. you want to understand that, and then then you have to do the regular analysis. I mean, mm-hmm. is this potentially a big market? With a venture capital firm, is to really produce income for your limited partners. You have to get you know ten times or more return on investment. Mm-hmm. Because you know, as we invest in seed-based companies, seed seed financing, is that some of them aren't going to make it, mm-hmm. uh, and for a variety of reasons, markets change, you know, issues come up. So therefore, you have to find a business that is going to provide a uh, you know the potential for a good return on investment. Mm-hmm. One other thing that I that I didn't mention at the beginning is it's not just the entrepreneur. What I found is that successful firms have a team of people, not an individual. Yeah. And if you look at you know, many, many companies, there's usually been a team. The team could just be two. Mm -hmm. Steve Jobs and and Steve Wozniak, for example, but many, many other companies, it's usually more than one. So you wanna see that there is a core team and then they'd have the ability to recruit that team. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, those are some of the factors that go into, you know, to making making an investment.
0: And then I guess for, you know, for those out there that are, you know, starting up a company that are at the beginning phases what is the good time for the company to come speak to a company like yourself like what what should they have what should they be aware of what kind of questions should they like what 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 should they have when they comes to skip and say hey we're looking to for some investors
2: well Adam that's a, it's a very good question and I'd sort of answer it this way <clears throat> I think the entrepreneur, has to decide: Do they in fact want outside money or not? Because mm-hmm. uh, that's a, it's a different responsibility when you get outside of money. I'll just give you a, a personal story about that. I mentioned one of the companies that that I started uh, with uh, co-founders that was called the Saratoga Group. <clears throat> Prior to that, I had sold my company to Three Com Corporation. I stayed a year at Three Com as a division general manager, and they had offered me a, a an executive uh, position, but I had young children at the time. And I realized as I looked around, I realized I loved the company. I liked the people there. But they were essentially giving their life to the company. And I wasn't ready to do that. Mm-hmm. With young children, I really wanted to spend time with them. So I, st- so I started a business. Most people would say, well, that's crazy. You know, that's <laughs> going to involve a lot of time. But really, I started it with someone we shared the same values, right. family values. So I could, for example, take off in the afternoons and coach my kids soccer. Oh, that's great! And we worked hard at the business when we needed to, but we also had value. But it would have been different if mm-hmm. if I had some outside money that was a different responsibility. So I think the the small business owner or entrepreneur has to decide that. do, do they really want that responsibility of, of outside outside investors? And if you do, one of the things I would say is, you know, don't don't just pick the first person that's going to give you some money. Mm-hmm. Do some research on those people yeah. that 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 you're you're going to have as investors you know, do your due diligence on them as much as they will do your right. due diligence on you. Yeah. It's important to pick out the right investors. Can you pick out the wrong investors and you could be all sorts of trouble. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in a,
1: investors are a part of the team of the company. So it's gotta be, in my mind at least, Skip, You know, they need to be aligned with the same kind of mission, mm-hmm. passion, um, future goals. Um, so that's one of my thing as you're kind of uh, saying that is like, You've got to be in alignment because you're you're both inviting each other into uh, their th- each other's lives that's in different right. capacities. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> yeah, you got to be good or bad. It's yeah. sort of
2: like not not quite the same, but it's sort of like a marriage of oh, sorts, yeah. right? Yeah. So you have oh to, yeah. You have to make sure that you do. You are absolutely right. You, you know, you need the same values, the same goals. You don't want someone who invests that's going to look for a quick turnaround. If you're trying to build a business with long-term value, that's that's mm-hmm. not necessarily going to work. Yeah. And uh, you know, so doing the diligence on the investor is very important and I know it's often entrepreneurs are desperate for money of course raising money is probably one of the hardest things they can do Mm -hmm. but to be careful to be cautious make sure you get the right investors
1: for sure well Skip so what I mean you've probably worked with so many companies that you haven't even mentioned on uh, this recording Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, but what are some of the most common challenges that you see that startups and small businesses are facing Um, as they're, you know it might be uh, raising money it might be you know team dysfunction or is there any things that you've kind of seen with your partners at one first that the, it's like well you know most of them are in this bucket it's a team mm-hmm. issue it's a financial issue you know what are some of those most common things well, so you're you're
2: entrepreneur, the entrepreneur the, the first thing is is deciding what what business you're in mm-hmm. you know and then um so you have to make that decision believe yourself this is gonna be a, a good market, a good company. So you, you make that decision, you're convinced. And what I've often found is <clears throat> that the most successful companies and most successful entrepreneurs are people that are really trying to solve a problem that they may have experienced themselves. Mm-hmm. So they have personal experience with whatever the issue is. That's not, doesn't have to be the case, but that's often often um, the, you know, the case. So, be, so, so that's one, you have to decide the business raising money or as i said earlier deciding if you want to mm-hmm. get outside money or sacrificing you know your personal resources to do it and so that's one of the things you should talk to your spouse about it yeah, yeah. <laughs> because Very your spouse <laughs> may, may may or may not be willing to make that sacrifice right. to yeah. you know to do to, um, to take money out of your your savings to do it so you have to manage that personal stuff at home and mm-hmm. then raising the money and then certainly beyond that is Really getting to know the the customers that you have, whoever you're producing the product. I see time and time again, Silicon Valley company, Silicon Valley companies come up with a good technical solution to something because they think it's brilliant. Mm-hmm. But you know, the customers may not think it's so brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's to really test the idea, really get to know customers and help them, you know, decide or help them help help you help help have them help you figure out what this product should look like, what it should be. Maybe even how it should should be priced and so on. So that's that's important. Really getting to know the target audience uh, that you have, and of course recruiting and building a team. You know the the it's really hard to to uh, get rid of somebody who is who is not a good member of that of yeah. your team. Yeah. Um, you know, so take the time. Don't you just take it, and don't take people just because of their. Technical expertise that they're a great developer or a great marketing person and so on. Mm-hmm. I would really suggest you, know, you also test their character yeah. You know the teammates. I mean we re- have referred to Lencioni earlier in his one of his books the ideal team player He talks about three very important characteristics One of them is to be hungry meaning mm-hmm. be, to be driven. Yeah. He wants people that are, that are driven The better is to be humble and that's not mm-hmm. necessarily That's not so obvious but humility, you know, I mentioned Jim Collins. Jim, When Jim Collins just talks about a level five leader, humility is one of those characteristics of it. Uh, humility meaning that it's not about me. Mm-hmm. It's about the team, and you want the team to win. So humility mm-hmm. is very important. And the other is smart, and by what... Lencioni means by that is people smart. Mm-hmm. Knowing how to work with people and, and, so that's what you want is people on your team that are hungry, humble, mm-hmm. and smart. And so I often see the mistake that an in interview is people, are, in the interview people are interviewing for technical skills and mm-hmm. not necessarily looking at the character of the individual. I know at my company when I was the, the last company, well, actually the companies that I've been with, and I tried to at least do the last interview with key people that were being hired. And I wouldn't ask them about any of their technical stuff. I always hope that they were properly screened for that. But I try to test their character, yeah. you know, and their attitude. Yeah. So that was what I found was very important.
1: Oh, I love that. Well, Skip, I mean, at least in my experience, and you know, you have so much more. There, like, there's no comparison in, <laughs> in terms of my experience compared to yours. Um, but in my, you're experience- you're telling me that I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> well, well maybe oh, a, maybe a nice way of saying that. Um, <laughs> But the um, like in my experience, I've seen that. Um, There's usually three areas where there's a breakdown in a company. It's either the internal component. And the internal components are really, you know, the personality of the entrepreneur, the ability for them to lead themselves, Mm -hmm. the uh, team that they surround themselves with, the story that they're trying to tell that separates themselves from, you know, their competition, uh, and then external components, like what they do and how they do it. Mm -hmm. And then relationally, like you mentioned, can, uh, do they know who their ideal customer or client is? How do they you know connect with them can they serve them in the most effective way possible so i kind of like have seen commonalities that you know uh, well forbes uh, magazine did like eight out of ten businesses fail within five years and here's the reasons why and i would argue those are symptoms not the disease you know mm-hmm. the disease really is a breakdown of one or more of those three areas the internal external or relational components of a company mm-hmm.
2: I would agree. <laughs> good work, Rocky. <laughs> I, I don't know that I can add much to that. That's a very it's a very good very good summary. Awesome. And um, cool. and people don't often I guess I'd, I'd focus the one is the relational part of it is very uh, important. That's you right. know, life is relational, right? Mm-hmm. You build you build relationships, relationships with customers, relationship with vendors, relationship with employees. Mm-hmm. So the relational aspect of the business is very very important. Yeah, for sure. And well, I
1: think it was um Zig Ziglar, who said, "To sell is to serve." Mm. You know that idea of you're putting other people's needs first before yourself, and by doing that, you ultimately, you know, are able to get what you want. I think his famous quote is, "You can have everything in life you want." If you just help enough, other people get what they want. Mm-hmm. And I love that. It's a good one to live by. <laughs> yeah,
2: service is, I mean, there's a big thing that people sometimes talk about is servant leadership. That, yep, that's what exactly. it's about. You know, a company is, is the CEO, the running of the company is serving people, mm-hmm. not being served. Right, that's right. right. Yeah. very
0: important and you know a lot of these stories and these lessons and you know tips for startups are are great especially for people starting out but i'm very curious as to some of the companies that you've worked with like who are some of these startups that really kind of really heated those messages and really did great or were some of the most memorable or awesome companies that you've had a, the pleasure of working with or helping succeed
2: well, let me think. There is one that I would that I would. I mean, there are probably several that I could that I could point to. Um, one of them that, that that comes to mind is an individual by the name of Victor Ho. He runs a, an organization called Five Stars, and 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 they they have like a loyalty card. Mm-hmm. And Victor was very very. Um, he really he. he, he Ended up sacrificing a lot to start this business. I mean, I think he talks about he lived on ramen for, for months, oh, man. Oh. and kind of and kind of before he sort of self-funded the business, and then through a number of breaks, he he really kind of got it got it together. Um, and and this will kind of go into the spiritual side of it, but Vic, Victor spent a lot of time praying about his his mm-hmm. company, and, and really trying to run the business. The right way. There's a quote that I have in my book, and it goes for, from Victor, and it goes something. And, and by the way, I should say that the company is now doing very, very well. They started maybe seven or eight years ago. I think they're up four or five hundred employees in the company. Wow. based in wow. San Francisco, amazing, doing very, very well. But he was someone that really wanted to run the business the right way, mm-hmm. and uh, he had a quote, um, and, and the quote is was something like this. It says. Uh, even if we go down in flames, I want to make sure that we run the business the right way. Mm. Uh, so even if we go down in means he, what was important to him was these, the, the, the partners in the business, everyone was being treated the right way and yeah. running the business the right way. And there's no guarantees for success. I mean, it is something like 9 out of 10 businesses fail. I mean, that's just a fact. Markets change. Circuit. I mean, the the uh, economy changes. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, one thing I'll just I'll just mention is one of my business partners, David Lane, says that whenever he sees a company that has a liquidity event, meaning like they go public or they're acquired. Mm-hmm. He said he always likes to look at the first business plan that, that he looked at. He said, inevitably, the business that they're in at that point is different than oh, the way yeah. they started <laughs> out. <laughs> so, you know, you do the best job you can to put together a business plan. This is what we're going to do, but you have to then adapt yeah. to the environment. Of course. What mm-hmm. do the customers really want and where do the opportunities come? And sometimes those are hard to choose mm-hmm. because you'll have two or three things. We could go this direction or that direction. And that's why you you need some some wisdom yeah. from mm-hmm. some outside. Sometimes some outside people. It could be board members. It could be. Friends, mm-hmm. uh, but that's that's life. Is that like that? It's you have to be, uh, you have to adapt to the to the environment because it changes. That's yeah, right. and, you know, there's
0: a lot of people who love to hold on to the past or the old way of doing things, or and you go back to the you know arrogance and people who think that they know that everything is right and their their way is is the best way. And you know, as as an entrepreneur and a CEO, you obviously have to have some of that. But as you said, mm-hmm. it is a team effort, and the market changes, um, yeah, all the time. <laughs> and I think that's such a good point that when you start a business you shouldn't really you should understand that it's going to evolve it's going to change and you need to ride those waves and evolve as it is but like you said keep that those core competencies of yourself and your beliefs and your faith and all that stuff and make sure that that stays true because people will see through it or that's that's what can really bite you
2: now say that that's a hard thing you know when i so i mentioned i come from from the boston area and there was a very successful computer company in the in the early 80s, maybe late 70s, early 80s, called Wang Computers. Mm. And they had a big high rise building up by Route 495, a big, big white building, very successful. They were in the word processing business, mm. uh, and they were very successful, making lots and lots of money. But they, you know, when personal computers came out and they had an opportunity to dominate that, to come out with word processes, they couldn't do it. They couldn't make the change uh, because it would have undermined everything they do. So there was so much pressure for, I believe, I didn't know people personally in the company, but from the salespeople, everybody else, hey, we can't change, we're so successful. <clears throat> they eventually went out of business because they didn't adapt to that changing environment. Yeah. So whenever I drive on 495 I look at that building, I'm, oh, always, man. I'm always reminded of that. <laughs>
1: A memory Absolutely. that will always be mm-hmm. there. That's funny. That's amazing. I love that. Um, Skip, I'm really curious. So, how many companies are you guys working with at a time with One Flourish?
2: Well, we're just really starting the fund. Okay. We're, we're in the process of, of raising money uh, right now. And, and so, we have, we've made a, a few investments uh, mm-hmm. to date, and we're hoping to make more. I mean, we're going to have this will not be a, a big fund. We're looking at raising a $20 million fund. So, mm-hmm. in that, we, we might end up with or 15 companies but we're hoping to, that it'll be a success and then we'll have a second fund and a third fund Oh, of course uh, so that's what we're, we're just we're just starting this up right now raising some money but we've made a uh, couple of investments already yeah awesome.
0: and yes. then and what is what does a typical day look like for you Skip? I mean how does <laughs> you know you say you're in the process of doing this and, you do, and I'm sure it's you know it's crazy and it's you probably don't have that set of a schedule but what does kind of a day look like in, in this type of lifestyle
2: well I start every day uh, with time time with God. You know, so I start the day with usually I, re- I read the Bible. I have a devotional, and I pray. So that's how I that's how I start the day. Mm-hmm. And then often I will work out sometime, maybe early in the early in the morning. Uh, today I didn't because I was meeting you guys. <laughs> yeah, no, no. <laughs> sorry <laughs> I, about that. <laughs> but I but I will do that later in the day. I always try to. Ha- I find physical fitness is important, mm-hmm. and so sometime during the day I, I will I will work out. Then the rest of my day it, it's just I look at I'll, early in the morning I will look at my schedule and it could be meetings like mm-hmm. this. It could be I do I spend a lot of time one on one having coffee with people just. Mm-hmm. Um, Just talking to them and then I'll have scheduled meetings and these days more and more of the meetings are video conferences as opposed to personal conferences yeah Mm -hmm. uh, which can be equally effective and then you don't have to spend all that time to to drive so you know a fair amount of time you know in meetings one-on-one discussion and, and those sort of things so every day is a little different but uh, spending time with God at the beginning of the day, I find, is important, and working out sometime during the day. Yeah. It was Yeah, I know Jason
0: has made me walk up all these San Francisco hills <laughs> over, over again. This trip, so we're getting a lot of that this time. <laughs> well,
1: I, I love that Skip, how because a lot of people don't realize that maintaining a balance between, you know, like your emotional health, your physical health, and you know your mental health is so important. Like um, having that balance allows you to, um, in my opinion, uh, push a lot harder than other people.
2: <laughs> well, balance is important. The other thing I didn't mention about my day is I always I try to be home for dinner yeah. with the family. Now, it's a little bit easier because my, my children are grown up and I have grandchildren. Oh, and so that's it's awesome. My wife, my wife and I. But, but even when I had a family at home, I'd always try to come home for dinner. That's a special time to be with the family. And it's, mm-hmm. it's difficult when you're involved in a business and a startup. And I, wasn't, I wouldn't be every, uh, every night, but I, I try as best as I could every night to be time for dinner. That's the time when the family gets together. Yeah. And also to have at least one day on the weekend in which you're spending time with the family. So balance, yeah. I would absolutely agree. Balance, sure. is, balance is, is important. We're not, we're not made just to, to work you know, 20 hours or whatever it is a mm-hmm. week. You know, yeah. Family, fitness, I believe faith are very important.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I uh, actually spoke at a leadership conference um, recently, Skip, and, you know, we talked about uh, Gary Vee and Grant Cardone and some of these other, you know, ultra successful guys they are always in the media. And we got onto the topic of like, you know, if you had to. I think I asked the question, but if you had to sacrifice like your family to become Mm -hmm. a billionaire, would you do it? And I'd be like, I I said, absolutely not. You know, there's no amount of money in the entire world that, you know, would take me away from wanting to spend quality time with my wife and, you know, our seven month old daughter. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure we'll have more kids in the future. But, um, you know, there's uh, there's a lot of very successful people still who have actually maintained that balance Mm -hmm. as well. So it can be done. It's just um, you know you've got to prioritize that time, plan your schedule, and make sure you're uh, you're balancing everything, like you said.
2: I agree. I think the most important job we have is is with our family, hundred mm-hmm. percent. You know, I mean, we're we're given the family, and and uh, you know it's it's important. I mean, I, I do see too many people that sacrifice <clears throat> their family for their work or their. Are their wealth and mm-hmm. you know it's a it's cliche but you're not you're not going to take it with you yeah, you know exactly. your f- family the relationships that you have are, um, are are very important. And
0: I think mm-hmm. something that you know, I think people get stuck on too a lot is we'll we'll all have time for that later, or mm-hmm. we'll have time, but time goes pretty quick. And before you know it, you're yeah. looking back and it's what what, what happened. It's yeah. just, no, it's that's crazy. right. You
2: can't relive those moments. To, it goes yeah. very 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 fast. So yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. Spending that time is 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 so important. Spending the time with with family and right. with friends.
0: And and what kind of stuff do you like to do? You know, with your family and friends. Do you, do you guys travel? Any sports? Any other thing that you guys kind of like to? outside of the work or the daily routine, as it were.
2: Yeah, so I I mean, as I said, fitness is important to me, so tennis is one of the things I love doing, so I'll play tennis periodically. Um, We have a place, so I live here in Silicon Valley, but many years ago we bought a place in New Hampshire at a lake, Mm -hmm. and so I spend summers, and I will work remotely out of that. But what's nice about it, it's a gathering place for my children and the grandchildren, So we just have a great time with them, you know, playing in the water, playing in the lawn, going, walking down to get ice cream, yeah, <laughs> do things awesome. like that. So, <laughs> so we we enjoy that, and and I do travel some now. My daughters, Silicon Valley is so expensive, they mm-hmm. moved away. One is in Spokane, one's in North Carolina, so we will travel to see them. And the good thing about this day and age is you can be working out of no matter where you are, that's very whatever true. location you <laughs> that's are. Right. But, you know, that's why that's a priority for us is spending time with our children and grandchildren. That's awesome.
1: I love that. Well, Skip, kind of getting on to the next question, um, and it's a two pronged question. Mm-hmm. Um, where do you see One Flourish and Connect Silicon Valley going towards in the next like five years? Like what, what would be your dream if they could get to a particular point, um, you know, an ideal kind of spot, what would that, that look like for both of those organizations?
2: I'll talk about them one at a time. With, with Connect Silicon Valley, so this will be, uh, as I mentioned, our 25th year, we're gonna do a much bigger thing than we've done in the past. And what I would say is, it, it, you know, if, if it's, it's God's will, we'll continue to do what we're doing. We've expanded it, so there is this annual breakfast, and we also have four quarterly events that we do smaller, typically in the vicinity of maybe 80 to 150 people. The smaller, more intimate setting. So we'll do that. Uh, these are all morning events. We've done one evening event, so we, I could see us doing some more evening events. We mm-hmm. call them Tech Talk, in which someone will come and talk about their technology yeah. in the business, but they'll also talk about their personal testimony. So, you know, I'm not sure, but those are the sort of things that we I would expect that we would do if, if God, you know, continues to to, to bless that. And the purpose of it, what, maybe what I didn't say earlier, is all we try to do is open up conversations about life and faith. In fact, mm-hmm. that's the way we describe it. Connect Silicon Valley, conversations about faith and life. Yeah. And we just want to open up conversations with people. We're not about converting people, but we really want people to think, what, what we believe is the most important decision in life any individual can make is where to put their faith and trust. Mm-hmm. Do you put it in your business? Do you put it in your family? Do you put it in your athletic skills? Or do you put it in God? And so we just want to help people think about that as they listen to the stories of people that have gone through sometimes some amazing hardships, some success, and sometimes found that success hollow. And that was how I, I didn't talk about how I came to faith, but that was, you know, I had, I came from a family that didn't have much money. I was the first one in my family to go to college, and I was, began to have some success, and I realized there has to be more to life than that. And so it can be through success, it can be through hardship, or whatever else. All we try to do with Connect Silicon Valley is is help people think about those bigger questions of mm-hmm. life when they listen to a story. With One Flourish, uh, as I said, we're, we're in the process of raising money for the first fund. We're making some investments, and would hope uh, that we would experience some success. We'd have a second and a third and a third fund, but also um, I would I would hope that we will pass that along mm-hmm. to people that are that are younger. Yeah. Know, than we are, that can continue that and continue that success. And it's actually the same thing with, with uh, connect Silicon Valley. Now I've been doing this for, for a, a number of of years, and uh-huh. we're trying to engage more and more people to sort of, uh, to take on that responsibility. So that was that's the case of both of them.
1: I love that. That's amazing. Um, well, uh, Adam, do you have any other questions? Because I've got one final question. <laughs> yeah, go <laughs> okay. for it. Um, is there any like final? um advice or insights that you would offer to like an entrepreneur or you know someone that's just starting out for you know ways to um I guess, get the skills that they need to become better at what they're doing? Like, is that through, um, you know, listening to podcasts like this, or is <laughs> well, that's that... Oh, that's for sure. Yeah, <laughs> that's the only reason. Good is night. that like, you know, because uh, I think you've already mentioned some good books. Is it through reading more, um, getting out there, networking? What are what are some of those final things that you would say that, to well, help them out?
2: Well, one of the things I'd say is to be a lifelong learner. You know, the everything keeps changing. You, you learn from, I mean, I think books, I, I love reading books, uh, so books is certainly one thing to do. Uh, the other thing I say, which we mentioned earlier, is just really focus on relationships, uh, mm-hmm. and that's relationships with your family, relationships with your business partners, and so on. Some of that, but by the way, can, you know, as you're building them, sometimes it can mean tough love. Mm-hmm. Right. The best thing you can do for someone is sometimes call them out when their behavior isn't isn't right. And I mean the same thing is with children. You don't just let them do whatever. Right. You know, there's sometimes discipline that's needed. But building those relationships over long term Makes sense, and, and part of that is what you mentioned, Jason. Is is networking? Yeah, and I remember my dad told me that early on. And my dad was a sales a salesman. He says networking, building that. Network. I would I would kind of dismiss it all, <laughs> <laughs> but but truly, life is is, is is a lot of it's about networking. Who you know and who's who you can help. you don't always look mm-hmm. to other people helping you in your network. Who can you help? And you mm-hmm. build up build those relationships over time. Yep. Um, I remember there was a quote, and I don't I won't say this exactly right. But it was it was a quote that I read at one point. It said, the, "You know, in the end, meaning when we die, the most important thing is who we loved and who loved us, mm-hmm. and that's all that counts in the end. And we have we all have a legacy. Yeah, um, we're going to leave a legacy, and the legacy is really going to be not about." Companies that we've built necessarily it could could be, but it's really the legacy is going to be about the relationships that we have. So I'd yeah. say that's that should be the focus. And business can be a vehicle to do that. Yeah, you know, to serve people and build relationships.
0: I mean, I think that's so valuable because yeah, like you said, I mean, even when we're gone, and hopefully it's in a million years, but when we're <laughs> gone, those that we impacted will continue to change the world and continue to make a difference because of what we have done, what you mm-hmm. have done in mm-hmm. your in your everyday life, and how you have treated them and how you have treated everyone. And I think that's just such a valuable, valuable lesson that people mm-hmm. need to need to remember when they're focused on what's important in life. Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Skip, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to be on the show. And Skip, what are some of the best ways that people can connect with you? Like, do you uh, want to share any websites or social media? Uh, you can even share your email with the listeners to get connected with you.
2: Well, probably, th- probably three ways. One is if you're interested, in, if your audience is interested in Connect Silicon Valley, the URL is connect.sv. So it's connect.sv. Uh, I have a, a personal blog. It's called skipvaccarello.com. The last name is V as in Victor, A C C A R E L L O. So it's skipvaccarello.com. And also the blog Finding God in Silicon Valley. And that's mm-hmm. Finding God in Silicon Valley, all one word, <laughs> findinggodinsiliconvalley.com. God in Silicon Valley.com. Oh. So those are, the, uh, those are the three ways people could, could get in touch with me. Awesome. Thank you. And then well, we want
0: to remind everyone about the annual breakfast if you find yourself in Santa Clara, California on April 5th. April 5th. 2019 yeah. to find more information about that. Yeah,
2: and I would say register early because it will sell out. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> so and if you there. can't
1: make it this year, come
2: next yeah, year. But exactly. Did, did, right, exactly. It will
1: mm-hmm. be even more exciting the year after. And like Skip said, you know, in, in terms of it continuing to grow, I foresee it being uh, something even more popular. So, well, Skip, thank you so much again. And uh, guys, thank you so much. And we will catch you next time. Thanks, Skip. Uh,
2: Jason and Adam, thank you very much. I've enjoyed the experience. (laughs) Thank you.
0: And once again, Jason and I are back in the studio. And you know, I I just I can never whenever people share that message because I truly believe it too. Mm -hmm. Is that we are so much more than you know just how much money we're worth or, yeah, or what right. company we started or things like that. It's it's the impact we have on the world and on the people around us and the legacy that you leave behind with your children, with your friends, with your colleagues, with yep, people right. you have mentored. I mean, that's that's what is the true value and I think is, once again, a true legacy because once we're unfortunately gone, mm-hmm. we can live on through other people changing the world and doing stuff because of what you've done for them so yeah, that's right. I just I love Skip's message I love how humble he is I love how he really you know has been through it all and understands what success means and you know the cost of success and mm-hmm. we, you know he, he mentioned he lost his way a little bit on certain times yep. but he found his way back and it's just a, such a cool story it was, it was such an honor to meet him
1: and, and just share the stage with him for even yep. an hour well I mean I knew him pretty well but uh, there's things that I learned about him that I had no idea yeah. about and where so. did you meet him again? Uh, It was through a mutual friend. uh, One of the political think tanks I've worked with uh, actually introduced me uh, to uh, Skip. So a shout out to Kelly Kohlberg, actually. Kelly uh, is the New York Times bestselling author of Finding God at Harvard and Finding God Beyond Harvard. So um, she's a really good friend of mine. And actually, Skip's book, you know, Finding God in Silicon Valley, was actually inspired, as he mentions, by uh, Kelly Kohlberg. So, Very nice. Yeah, that's how we ended up connecting. And yeah, um, Skip's, uh, I mean, you, you heard it and saw it. Skip's an uh, amazing guy. <laughs> definitely, definitely, definitely.
0: And once again, we want to remind people about the Connect Silicon Valley Annual Breakfast, which mm-hmm. takes place on April 5th in Santa Clara, California. So if you're going to be in the area or you're able to get there, be sure to check out connect.sv to find out information, get tickets, because as Skip mentioned, they may sell out because there's a ton of people very cool event and it's something that yeah you should definitely try not to miss if, yeah, if you're out there sure
1: again it's like literally celebrities new york times best-selling yeah. authors and you know solo entrepreneurs too it's like a a culmination of everyone at different levels where they connect to help each other so so cool definitely definitely and uh, if you want to be a part of the show if you want more
0: information on connect silicon valley if you want to send in topics be a guest on the show please send an email to hello at growlikeaproshow.com. Once again, that is hello at growlikeaproshow.com. And I'm going to pass it over to Jason to talk about our sponsor.
1: And our sponsor is <laughs> brought to you by Genesis Marketing uh, Mar- Group. Good job, buddy. That good. <laughs> Sorry, brought Genesis. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, Genesis, again, <laughs> they, they do reputation management, uh, website development, social media marketing, uh, pay-per-click, e-commerce, a lot of different things. But at the end of the day, what you need to know is if you've got a business, they can help you grow. They can help you overcome your challenges. They can help you make more money. Uh, define your story share it with the world and then ultimately bring in some more leads for your business if that's what you're looking for as well they really come alongside you get to know you figure out some of those challenges and create some solutions that can help you get from where you are to where you want to go so incredible company i mean again we could not do this show without them and their support so we're actually here in their studio that they've got Um, incredible company doing incredible things so if you're uh, looking for some marketing promotion help Definitely go to uh, genesismarketinggroup.com. and that's Genesis with the J. Definitely check it out. Send them a message. Connect with them because they definitely want to. Yeah, they definitely want to <laughs> connect with you. Uh,
0: build a relationship with you. Yeah, for sure. And you know, once again, just want to thank Skip. Want to thank all of our guests on the West Coast and in Columbus and all over the world and all this stuff and all you listeners out there for coming along for this journey. And yeah. a reminder that Grow Like a Pro is a weekly show. We go live every week Thursday at six a.m. And we're excited for all of our future guests. We just recorded like a ton of people this this week. And (laughs) we have a lot of exciting things planned for the future. So once again, thank you so much for being a part of the community. And you know what? Until next time, I hope you have a great day and or night. And we'll, uh, we'll see you later. Bye. Bye, guys.